0: What is it we're going to look at today? We're going to look at the spider of gluttony. Now before you start running for the doors, let me just talk to you for just a second. I, I know some of you are like, preacher, you can mess with a lot of things, but don't you mess with my food. I know that that is what a lot of you are thinking. You're like, man, not, not, you're, not going, you're not going to step on our toes. Here's what I promise. I promise to offend at least everybody before the message is over. Okay, so it's not that I'm going to single you out. It's just that we're going to try and cover it. Now, I told you whenever I spoke on slaying sloth a few weeks ago that to prepare for the message on really dealing with laziness, that uh, for my sermon prep, I told you instead of studying, I just took a nap, right? You remember that. Well, for this message, what do you think that I did to prepare for a message on gluttony? I wrote this message at Golden Corral. Come on, you know that's what's up. (laughs) No, I really didn't. But as Americans, we like our food, don't we? We talk about our food. A lot of people take pictures and post pictures of their food. Like we care what you have for lunch. When we go to work tomorrow, we'll talk about what we had the night before for dinner. And then the conversation will shift. And we'll talk about what we're going to have the next night for dinner. I don't know how it is for you, but I've been at our home around the lunch table, having a meal, enjoying lunch, when one of my kids will ask the question, what are we having for dinner tonight? Have you ever had that happen before? You're in one meal and already planning for the next one. We even have an entire television network dedicated to it. It's called the Food Network because it's not enough if I'm not eating At least I can watch somebody eat, right? I mean, we are all about our food. So it's no surprise that for most Christians, we've chosen to overlook the biblical teaching on gluttony. But while gluttony certainly relates to our appetite for food, it's much, much bigger than that. As a matter of fact, Webster defines gluttony this way. It's habitual greed or excess Eating. In other words, it's never enough. It's a lack of restraint. It's wanting more than is appropriate. It's unhealthy. It's detrimental. How many of you ever heard the phrase before that he was a glutton for punishment? You ever heard that one before? So, in other words, regardless of the fact that it's painful. I mean, it's inflicting pain. It's, it's punishment. He's a glutton for it. He, he doesn't learn his lesson and say, man, I crossed the line. No, gluttony. He says, it's never enough. And it's often even a good thing in excess. Rest and sleep are, are both good for us. They're gifts from the Lord. But if taken to the extreme, it can lead to an unhealthy, unproductive life. Work is a gift from the Lord. Work is a good thing. We're created to work. But if misused, if abused, if someone becomes a workaholic, now all of a sudden it has become a negative thing. It is a detrimental thing. It can lead to poor health in our own bodies and certainly with the relationships with those that we care about most. The gift of medicine helps to heal our pains, but taken excessively or inappropriately, those very things that were meant to help us will begin to hurt us. Many have become addicted to prescription drugs because of the inappropriate use of them. So now instead of helping, it's hurting. That's what gluttony does. It's more than just eating an extra cookie. It's, it's destructive. It's lethal. And this spider of gluttony is wreaking havoc on countless people. So this message today really could be a game changer for many of us in the room. Many of us who maybe have winked at it or thought, I probably shouldn't. Oh, that's just my sweet tooth right there. Oh, that's just that's just a weak point for us. Today could be a message that God uses, because how many of you know that all of God's word is powerful and effective? Can you say amen? Amen. All of God's word is useful. So we've got to pay attention to what it says about all areas in our lives, especially things that perhaps have seemed to be not that big of a deal, but the enemy is using it to destroy us when we don't even realize it. So let's look into this. Let's jump into the word. Let's get into the word, get the word into us, and let's learn how to kill the spider of gluttony before it kills us. Well, if you're taking notes right down for number one, the first point is this. The diet of your life will reveal... What you worship the diet of your life reveals what you worship listen to what the apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church as recorded in Philippians chapter 3. In verse 19, where he is contrasting someone who lives their life to follow God, to worship God, and serve God, contrasting that with someone who is not following God, but whose desires are for things of this world. He says this about them their end is destruction. And look at this. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. In other words, their passions and their desires are for the pleasures of this world. It's what drives them. They are consumed with consumption. It's what motivates them. It's what they're passionate about. Listen to what's written in Romans chapter 1 or chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writing again, this time to the Romans. He says in chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, listen to this, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Somebody say living sacrifice. Come on, say it loud. Living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Listen to this. Holy and acceptable to God. Why? Why? For this is your spiritual worship. You see, it's not what we believe about our faith, but how we behave with our lives that really shows what we worship and what's important to us. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, instead of sacrificing ourselves, these earthly desires and putting them on the altar as an act of worship to God, we will find ourselves sacrificing our worship to God for the sake of worshiping the pleasures of this world. Our lives are meant to be sacrifices to God. But when we worship worldly appetites, we will find ourselves sacrificing the things of God instead of the other way around. Money is okay. Nothing wrong with currency. But the love of money is a trap. Don't ever sacrifice your walk with God for the earthly pleasure of money. Enjoying sports... Is fine. Nothing wrong with sports. But don't sacrifice what you claim to be your priorities and and you're missing out on times with God or times with people that you care about most because we're prioritizing sports center. If you can't say amen, say ouch. We can kid ourselves all day long, but our true priorities are revealed by our behaviors, not our belief. You can know what you value the most by what you prioritize on a daily basis. And the reason gluttony is so scary is because it's so subtle. The reason it's so dangerous is because it's so effective. As a matter of fact, one of the most uh, effective tools the enemy will use would be those that we don't see coming. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with eating or even enjoying our food, right? On the drive-in this morning to the church, I was talking to my uh, two oldest daughters about it, and Candace, my oldest daughter, goes, Ah, oh, I don't want to hear this message. <laughs> and I said... Why? She said, I just love my food. And I'm like, well, hey, it's okay to enjoy food. And I was explaining to her, she's not gluttonous. I mean, that's, that's not her lifestyle. It's not her habit. She loves God and serves God, and food has its place. So I want to make sure that we all understand it's not that food is of the devil any more than money would be or any more than sports would be. We're talking about not having things in their proper place. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 12 and 13, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. Look at this. And the Lord cares about our bodies. What he's saying in here in in context of all of these different things that he's speaking to, he's saying something can be a good thing, but when out of its proper place, it's no longer a good thing. Said another way, when a good thing replaces the God thing, that good thing has just become a bad thing. Even something, sex is a gift from the Lord, but gluttonous or excessive prioritization of that, this is not good, it's working against you. He's saying, so you view your body and say, it's my body. He says, listen, I want you to know that the way you steward your life, the way you pay attention to or fail to pay attention to what you allow into your mind, into your heart and even your stomach, he said, what you're doing when you're doing that is you're revealing what you worship. Don't be a slave to anything. Let it have its practical place or its rightful place. Let me get practical for just a moment. Because I promise you, my my goal is to defend everyone. So let me go with one I think is going to help a lot of us. Some of us are more committed to starting our day with coffee than with Jesus. (laughs) You're like, he went there. (laughs) He just went there. Is coffee of the devil? No. You can order your grande frappuccino mocha, white chocolate cream, stirred, double cups with a spoon, whatever you can order. It's okay. But some people don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Can I talk to you before you've had your time with Jesus? Well, yeah, that's okay But don't, until I have my coffee. Things can be okay, but they have to have their proper place. Your world doesn't have to revolve around, this is what I have to have. This is what I really want. This is what I really need. It's okay to enjoy your meal. Nothing wrong with having favorite foods. Nothing wrong with drinking coffee. Just don't let it be your master. Don't let any of those things control your life. There's only one God in my life, and his name is King Jesus. That's what I'm supposed to listen to, follow, love, serve, and adore. And as much as we don't like to hear it, it is a sin when we idolize anything beyond our God. When we give food an improper place, when we become a slave to those appetites, it's sin. God doesn't want us to live bound by that. Eating should be an act of worship to God, not a worship of food. Let me say it this way it's one thing to eat to live. But it's another thing when we live to eat and the diet of your life will reveal what you worship. Let me give you a second thing because I got to keep moving before you get mad. Number two is this. Physical health is a spiritual priority. Physical health is a spiritual priority. Get a group of Christians together and we say, hey, don't you know that the Bible, God's word is important? And everybody would say amen to that. If I said, what about prayer? Prayer is important. Everybody would say hallelujah to that. If I said worshiping God is important, we'd all say praise the Lord to that. If I said physical fitness should be a priority, we'd say help us, Lord. (laughs) When you talk to some people about fitness, they say fitness. I'm into fitness. Fitness. I'm in a fitness pizza in my mouth. <laughs> Some think when the doctor says to eat less McDonald's, what he really means is that they need to eat more Taco Bell. But that's not what the doctor means. Physical health should be a spiritual priority. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, look at this, this is worship, look at this. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's a spiritual priority, it's a spiritual work. God cares about how we care for our bodies. Our physical health is a very spiritual issue and we deceive ourselves when thinking that our physical decisions are unrelated to our spiritual condition. Let me explain it to you this way. Our overall health is the sum total of our spiritual health, our physical health, our emotional health, our intellectual health. All of that contributes towards our overall health. So I cannot say, well, I may not be physically healthy, but at least I'm spiritually healthy. What I just said was, I'm not healthy. And nor can I say, well, I am physical health, physically healthy, but I'm not emotionally healthy. But at least, I, no, I'm not healthy. My health is determined by the sum total of all of these areas in my life. So we can't say, well, I may not be as fit as I ought to be, but I love Jesus. He says, I want you to be free, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. I want you to be strong. And in order to do that, we have to be intentional. Otherwise, we will quickly and easily become unhealthy in our thoughts, in our bodies, in our schedules, in our spending habits, in our relationships, and more. When we're overindulgent in things that hurt us physically, mentally, emotionally, when we allow those things to to be overindulgent and, and impact us, it's impossible for it not to affect your entire life. It's very difficult to think clearly, be your sharpest when you're physically, mentally, or emotionally tired or out of shape. How many of you have ever noticed that when you don't feel well, you don't act a whole lot like Jesus? Come on, be honest. Just raise your hand. Don't make your spouse elbow you right now and say, he's talking to you. You know, you ever just found you, you responded a certain way and somebody said, what's wrong with you? What's your problem? And then you had to think about it and go, I just don't feel well, right? We've all been there before. It's not like I'm trying to be a jerk right now, right? It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be mean. I'm not trying to say, I don't feel well. And it's impossible to compartmentalize our overall health. I can't be the best husband that I'm supposed to be. I can't be the best dad that I'm supposed to be. You can't be the best spouse or the best parent or the best worker or the best student when you have a lack of health in your physical life. It affects everything. Think about it this way. If you were given one car and it was the only car that you are going to have your entire life, how would you care for that car? If you knew this is the only car, you got it when you got your driver's license, 16 years old all excited about it but this is the same car that you're going to have when you're 76 86 96 now how are you going to take care of this car we probably change the oil make sure that it the tires were balanced make sure that the interior is taken care of why would we be so diligent the reason we would is because we said hey this is the only car that i have i want it to last why do we treat our bodies as if if it can just get me through this week no, I need to care for my body because this is a spiritual issue. So it needs to I need to be intentional about what comes on my plate, you know, on the on the lips today, on the hips tomorrow. You know how that whole thing works? It's like, I got to pay attention to what I'm eating and even think about what I'm praying for about what I'm eating. They're connected. Y'all ever heard that Christian comedian, Tim Hawkins, when he talks about praying over the food? And he talked about how funny it must seem to heaven sometimes about some of the stuff that we're praying for. Lord, I just pray that you would bless these Cheetos. Lord, I pray that you take all the calories out of this bag right now. Lord, you're powerful. You can do anything. I ask you to fill this Cheeto with nutritional value, Lord as I get ready to eat it. And he's just laughing, talking about it. And I thought, man, that's funny, but that is close to home. <laughs> Instead of saying, Lord, thank you for this food they are about to receive, let it strengthen us today. We need to be praying things like, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do, because I know it's sin, Jesus. I mean, we should be honest. So the question is, do I just stop praying over it? or should I maybe stop eating it? (laughs) You may need a miracle in your body or you may just need to take better care of your body. You may not need more prescriptions. You may just need to exercise. You may not need God to heal you You may just need to change your diet. Physical health should be a spiritual priority because today's physical health affects tomorrow's spiritual fruit. Come on, moms, dads. You owe it to your family to be your best. No matter what our age or stage, parents, grandparents, You may think, I'm in college. Take care. It's the only body that you're ever going to have. This is God's temple. Care for it. Let me give you the third and the final major point here, and it's this. Let your cravings work for you, not against you. Let your cravings work for you, not against you. Tell your neighbor right now, let them work for you. Let them work for you not against you, because how many of you know that cravings are real? I was trying to bond with my my little champ, my little four-year-old boy. I wanted to speak life over him. I wanted to affirm my love for him. I just looked at the little guy in the eyes. and I said, hey, I want you to know I sure do love you. And he looked straight at me, and he said, I sure love chocolate didn't even skip a beat. How do you guys know? He was keeping it real, though, right? Like, we're going to talk about what we love. Some people crave certain kinds of foods, others others. Certain flavors of ice cream. How many of you guys know cravings are real? If you're not sure, find somebody who is expecting a child and just hang out and watch. Some of you guys are like, you really are going to try and offend everybody today, aren't you? Now, listen. Listen. I thought about, because we've had six kids, I've thought about the cravings that I've observed over the years. I got permission before I use this illustration today. So I just want you to know, I might be treading on thin ice, but I'm not totally out of bounds, all right? I got permission. But I was like, Tell me about some of those. I remember it's just like crazy stuff. We're, remind me. And so for our first child, she said, yeah, all I wanted was bean burritos from Taco Bell. I mean, that's all she wanted, just bean burritos, bean burritos, bean burritos. I thought, man, I've heard about it, but this is real. That's what she wants to eat all the time, bean burritos from Taco Bell. I can see like some of the moms out here like smiling and laughing going, if you only knew. And then our second child, she liked the cheese. On the Doritos, not the Doritos, the cheese on the So she would lick the cheese off the Dorito, suck it up, and next, I'm like, is that really a thing? Like, for real? You can just tough it out, go ahead and eat the whole chip, but... I'm not even joking. And then for our third child, she wanted black olives in her Fruit Loops. I totally made that one up. That's a joke. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't do that. You got to draw a line somewhere. How many of you know that cravings are real? But listen, cravings are not bad. Remember the point? Let them work for you, not against you. We're created with God-given desires that help move us in the right direction. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26. It says, a labor's appetite works on his behalf, for his hunger drives him on. Did you get that? Listen to it again, because that's a powerful word. It's, It's very insightful. It's a great truth for us to embrace. A laborer's appetite, his hunger, it works for him. It's this hunger that drives him on. God gives us desires because they can help us to become who we're supposed to be, and they can help us to do what we're supposed to do. But when those cravings are misguided, disaster awaits. When we begin to feed those cravings from God with junk food from this world, we will reap the destructive consequences. Don't fall into the trap of trying to meet your needs, emotional needs, physical needs, whatever kinds of needs, with the junk food of this world. Listen, we've got to learn to reject that and replace that. Anybody ever heard of comfort food before? It's just been a long day. And they're sitting there with the whole, not a bowl of ice cream, with the whole carton of ice cream, you know, just, it's just kind of, man, before they know it, the whole thing is gone. And now at as the end as they ask, do you feel better? No, they don't feel any better. Because comfort food doesn't really comfort. Instead of what if we have emotional needs, instead of running to comfort food, we would run to the comforter. How many guys know that God loves it when we come to him we say, Lord, I just need some love right now. I just need to be encouraged right now. I'm not even saying that having some ice cream from time to time is a bad thing. When a good thing replaces the God thing, it has become a bad thing. And so you got to make sure that those cravings are guided in the right direction. Don't fall into the trap of trying to meet emotional needs with food. Reject that. Replace that. When some people are craving relief from the pain of life, they turn to self-medicating. Drinking alcohol does not make your pain go away. It makes your problems get worse. Abusing prescription drugs does not heal your hurts. It increases The pain, don't run to the stuff of this world trying to meet your needs. That desire for healing, that desire for hope, that desire for joy, that craving and longing for peace can only found in the one whose name is the Prince of Peace. He is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Look to him. Let those cravings push you towards God. Let them serve you, not enslave you. Reject and replace. Redirect those desires toward the things of God. And yet I understand that this isn't something that you've got the power to do on your own. Man, we can't do anything on our own. Apart from him, we can do nothing, the Bible says. But I can do all things. Somebody say all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let me just read to you, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. See, the life of a a follower of Jesus is a life that's been submitted to him. We submit the flesh to his spirit. We say, Lord, I want to walk according to your plan for my life. And what happens is as we feed on the food of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is produced in our lives. It's not that we had to be strong enough or spiritual enough, just yielded enough. How many of you guys ever heard of those superfoods? Anybody ever heard of a superfood? You know, it's like if you eat this leaf, you know, you'd be smarter and faster and taller and prettier than anybody in America. You know, it's just like this leaf, that's all I've got to eat. And most of us are like, I'm good. You know, we won't even do it, but it's supposedly a superfood. Feed yourselves on spiritual power foods get into the word of God spend time in prayer prayer and fasting I know that fasting is a new concept to some it, it, here's what it means it means to fast is to instead of eating a meal let's just say lunch instead of at my lunch hour feeding my earthly body which just my flesh just eating my physical body uh, feeding my physical body instead of eating that food I'm going to fast that I'm going to instead feed my spirit I'm going to spend some time reading the Bible I'm going to spend some time in prayer that's what fasting is. And you say, why would you do that? Because it's a continual reminder of I'm not going to walk according to my flesh. I want to starve what I want to die. I want to feed what I want to grow. And it's not talking about starving your body so that you die. It's talking about a statement to the flesh that the things of this world are not my priority. I'm going to feed my spirit. It's a super powerful spiritual powerful food of the word of God and prayer and fasting and when I do that the word of God says that some things will only happen in my life because of as a result of prayer and fasting listen for some of us when we talk about fasting we're like does that mean I have to count to 10 before I start eating and that's not a good sign We got to work on that. Let me give you three quick things to wrap up that I think will help you to feast on the things of God and enable you to overcome temptation because you will recognize three things or pay attention to three things. Number one is this. Evaluate your health. Ask God to show you areas where you need to improve. If you're wondering if this food or this habit or or whatever, this desire has, has you on a healthy path or an unhealthy path, here's a very practical thing to consider as you're praying and asking that God would speak to you. Go one week without it and see how you do. If you had to fast that or if you had to avoid that for one week, like if you're saying, you telling me I can't drink coffee for a week, I'm saying this. If you start breaking out in hives or oh, and shaking and get the tremor and just thinking about going without coffee for a week, you might have a problem. Is coffee bad? No. I'm just saying if you want to see if you have something or something has you, try going a week without it. Go a week. Just by saying, hey, man, what I need to do is I just need to get out and take a walk once a day, 15 minute walk. And when you're going, man, I just fell off the wagon. How long did it take? Second day. I didn't even make it the second day. That's not good. And you got to decide, are you okay with it not being good? Or as you evaluate, are you going to move on to the next step? And that's number two. You're going to prioritize your health. You're willing to change some habits. You're willing to adjust your schedule. You're willing to be intentional about your meals. You're gonna pay attention to your diet. You're gonna be wise with your shopping. Let's just get real. The battle is won and lost on aisle four. If you wait until you're standing in front of the refrigerator and the door's open, you lose. It's over. You don't stand a chance. You will never be like, ah, I can just look at it. I just want to smell it. No, nah, I just want, no, just a little. No, you're going to eat the whole thing. The battle's won at the ordering line. When you're looking at the menu, that's your battle. And they say, just for, for, for another for another 10 cents, we can quadruple size everything. For another 10 cents, we'll give you 17 more of these. And a big gulp of that, and you're like, well, man, that's a good deal. That's stewardship right there. That's just financial wisdom. It's where the battle is won and lost. If you don't buy it at the store, it won't be on your shelf. And if it's not on your shelf, The chances are more likely it won't end up in your stomach. Prioritize your help and take steps accordingly. Third and finally, get a friend to go with you on the journey. In other words, don't try and do it on your own. It's one of the powerful things about being a part of a small group is because none of us are designed to do life alone. We need encouragement. We need people going, how's that going for you? Come on, man, I'm praying for you today sending a text saying hey i'm fasting lunch with you today just encouragement and if you're struggling with an addiction man if you're bound by alcohol or an eating disorder or if you find yourself struggling with abusing prescription drugs get help don't try and do it on your own it takes courage but you can change your ways. You can change your appetites. You can do it. Uh, I really respect my brother-in-law. He's, he's a great guy in so many ways. Uh, he, he loves God, loves his family, works hard, provides for his family. He's a good dad to his kids. One of the things I respect most about him, though, is watching how he, how he handled a crisis moment in his life. Um, one day, out of nowhere, he, he has a seizure. And they take him to the hospital. They run tests, discover that he had a, uh, a tumor on his brain. It's gonna require very, very um, just high-risk surgery, obviously, goes and has the tumor removed at least as much as they could get. 35 staples or so later in his head of putting everything back together. He gets through the surgery, now he has to make a decision as he looked back over his life, he realized there are some things that you can't control as it relates to your health, but there are some things that you can. As he looked back over his life, he realized that he had never had a priority on being healthy. When it came to exercise, it just wasn't a big deal to him. When it came to paying attention to his diet, it wasn't a big deal to him. He would eat whatever, whenever, it was just no big deal. But when he came that close to losing his life and he thought about his wife thought about his children, thought about the call of God that was on his life, he decided to make some changes. And he did. He's courageous. Not only is he healthier himself today, but his career, what he's given his life to now is is helping other people make healthy choices with with their physical health. And I look at that and I think, man, it's such an amazing change and transition. I wonder why most of us wait until some type of Crisis or near-death experience, to where we go. I probably should be careful with what I eat. I probably should exercise more. And so I'm just learning from his model and his example. And I thought I want to at least do everything that I can. Some things are out of my control. You will never be held responsible for something that is out of your control. But your physical health will determine your spiritual fruit, and that will be determined by daily decisions that you make to steward your health. Well, I believe that God wants to give many in this room today who desperately need it a breakthrough in this area. Look to the Lord, ask him for his help, purpose to do your part, and let God's spirit work in you to be who you're supposed to be and to do what you're supposed to do. Let's pray together.